Listening to the Pay Chen Show on In Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome back to the sh- welcome back, welcome to the show. How about that? Uh, thanks for joining me today. I was off last week. Um, if you follow me on lo- online, Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, then you know that I was out uh, out east visiting my parents in Halifax, and uh, my brother actually flew out there as well to uh, meet up. So my main reason for going back was because my brother brought his daughter, my little niece, who is about a year and four months. I guess at that point, you just count them in months, 16 months. Is that what That's what people do with babies, right? That, that, you're like, I am 97 months, and then you have to do the math. Um, so anyway, it's actually the longest I've spent in Halifax in a while. I spent about eight or nine days out there. Usually I kind of do like a long weekend sort of trip, hang out with them a little bit at the farmer's market, and then come back. So because I go out there a couple times a year, it's not too bad for me to get to Halifax from Toronto. It's like for my parents, it's you know, no big deal. But my brother, who is my younger brother, he is in BC. So he doesn't get out there as much. And uh, it's not that he's the favorite child. And I'm sure this conversation will come up later with my guests in the studio. But because he doesn't go back as often, then my mom made it sort of like this priority to make sure there was all like the good food, the good food for my brother. So when I go back, I always make sure I send a little email to my mom, like, mom, can you make sure there's lobster for dinner when I get there? I always come in around dinner time. And uh, and then she also made um, these, uh, you probably see them when you go for dim sum, if you do go for dim sum, it's like sticky rice wrapped in bamboo leaves. And in English, you might call them like a uh, sticky rice dumpling, perhaps they're like really glutinous and they are a lot of work. It took like two days for my mom to make these because it was a full day of prep of soaking the dried ingredients, soaking the bamboo leaves, then a whole day of like assembling them and boiling them for two hours. And she made these just so my brother could eat like two of them while he was home and then like sent me home with some. Um, Just make these when I go home uh, without my brother. But so the lobster thing, so we're, of course, when we go home, we always want seafood. And uh, we we went to the fisherman's market where we often go and you pick out your lobsters from like this giant pool. And they pack the lobsters into a paper bag first and then into a really large, um, really thick, heavy plastic bag. And so usually, you know, you carry it in, it's kind of heavy, just put it on the kitchen floor. My mom's got giant pots. Uh, pots to put them in. So I I walk into the kitchen and this is what I see. My mom has the bag open on the floor. She's got a giant stock pot that she's put on the floor, which I assume is because it's heavy and she's got water in it. She's going to put the lobsters in. And instead she's actually sitting on the floor of the kitchen and she's taking the lobsters out of the bag one by one. And she's rubbing, like firmly rubbing their shell. And then she's trying to tuck their tails under and stand them up. And I'm like, of course, what do I do? Is I grab my phone to record it right away and I start laughing and I go, what are you, what are you doing? Like, I've seen you cook lobsters for, for decades and I've never seen this. Usually just throw them in the pot. And she tells me that her friend, who's almost 80 years old, told her to, mus- to massage the lobsters. So she was trying, she was massaging the lobsters to help them relax and put them to sleep before she boils them to death. And so I start laughing. I post this on Instagram, this little video. I post it to Facebook. I put it on Twitter. I'm like, can you believe this? I walked into the kitchen to find my mother sitting on the floor. My mom's in her mid-60s, massaging lobsters to relax them and then throw them in the pot. Well, then what happens is that 
everyone who's ever worked with an East Coast chef or who's ever spent time on the East Coast starts sending me links to stories and videos and little tips and saying, this is a real thing. This is a thing. I've worked with it. I've worked with a chef from PI. I've worked with a chef from Newfoundland. You massage the lobsters first. It relaxes them and makes the meat more tender, apparently. There's all these theories. And so then I was put to shame because I thought that was like this hilarious thing my mother did. And it turns out like maybe there's some truth to it. If you've ever heard of this, I want you to text in 71010. Let me know. Is this like, am I just being played a fool at this point? Um, I'll introduce my guests in the studio right now who are kind of laughing at me. I've got <laughs> sort of, I've got Chef Rob Gentile from the Buca Restaurants and Barbuca and Afrin Pristine, who's from the Cheese Boutique, both places I frequent and love very much. Have either of you heard of this massaging lobster thing? Never, first time. Really? Me, me too. But it kind of makes sense. I mean, if you have a happy lobster, I think <laughs> you're going to have a tasty lobster, no? Well, I guess this is going to like, you know, have, like raising happy food, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, but in I Japan, would... Rob, I think they massage like the Kobe beef, don't they massage the cows? Yeah, but uh, I'm not sure, man. I, I don't know. I I'm... don't know. Well, I mean... You know, the uh, I'm interested to know what <laughs> a lobster would taste like that hasn't been massaged versus one that's been massaged side by side on a plate. Right. I think I don't know if that taste test has been. Because I bet if you if I Googled it, it, it's probably been on YouTube. Yeah. If it doesn't actually impact the meat, there really is no point of doing it. Well, I thought unless it was somebody favorite. had a conversation with a lobster and they told them to put them to sleep so that it didn't hurt. But That's apparently, possible. it does kind of like they they um, become very still. So I guess there is some truth to somehow you relax it. I don't know. If, I don't know if the meat really tastes any different. I would be curious to know that. But I was shocked by the thread of comments on my Facebook and on my Instagram from people who I all thought would side with me and say, "This is ridiculous. Your mom is so silly," and the people who are like. No, no, actually, I worked in the kitchen for three years with a chef from Nova Scotia, and this is what they do when you're supposed to, like, rub the tops the tops of their shell. Um, there were different areas to, to be massaged on a lobster. Oh, boy. People have different theories. Oh, really? I want to try it. The happy lobster, I guess, is a tasty right? one, right? I'm with your mom. Pay, I'm with your mom. I, on this one? Yeah, massage away. Massage, massage away. away, you know? Uh, I also went clamming, which I think... And that, how, how cool. did lobster taste? I, the lobster was—it was a little tough. I don't think she did it properly. <laughs> <laughs> it what didn't kind work. Of massage. I, I want to know what kind them. of. Massage. They weren't quite sleeping. That's they what the problem was. No, they weren't quite as relaxed as she had hoped they would be. But uh, you know, practice makes perfect. Because only in her mid-sixties has she discovered this new theory that you should massage lobsters and and put them to sleep. Um, I also did go clam digging, which is something that I know because Rob, you were in Nova Scotia. Was it last year for the Devour yeah, yeah. Film Festival? For Devour. Um, but you didn't get a chance to go digging for clams. No, it was pretty cold when I went. <laughs> was it, oh, it's like fall, right? Late fall? Yeah. Okay. But I mean, I, I would have still gone. I just didn't get that connection. It's a thing. And so Afram's never been out east. No, I have to go. You do have, have to, to go. go. Can I stay with your mom and massage some lobsters? <laughs> I, you might think it's a joke, but if I was to tell my mom that my friend was going, she would absolutely have you at the house. That's awesome. She, uh, there is a girl that I went to, we went to Ryerson at the same time. We weren't even in the same year. She sent me a note saying, I'm traveling to Nova Scotia by myself. I'd love to come by and take some photos of your parents preparing food, if that's okay. And I said, sure, here are the days that they're there. Then on Instagram, I see she's tagged me in a photo. She's at my parents' house eating <laughs> lobster, eating dumplings, eating noodles. Amazing. And we weren't even, we were not close. I just said to 
my mom. I said, just so you know, uh, this girl that I know named Connie would like to take, take some pictures. So she's going to tell you that she's a friend of mine. And then all of a sudden she's at the house. She's sending me fo- <laughs> like my school photos that are on the wall. Uh, she sends me a message. She said, oh, your mom even drove me back to my uh, friend's place with a bag of dumplings and bao, like frozen um, steam buns. Ooh, I like uh, yeah. this. So if you want to stay with my parents, like, you might also have to deal with my dad walking into your room in his underwear because he's so used to knowing I'm totally house. okay with that. Ephraim does it all the time. Yeah, exactly. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. So actually the reason you guys are here, we're going to talk about it a bit more after the break. It's because there's an event that you ha- are uh, working on together that has been inspired by your pets. Yes. Essentially, right? Yes. Well, by the way, I also by thought they were going pet. to be here. <laughs> yeah, by yeah. There's I only also, one dog that's really important. Yeah, that's There's true. only one dog, and that is the dog on the poster, and that is your little dog, Henry. Henry. Yeah. 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 So, so I have two rescue dogs, okay? Which is kind of funny. Were they rescued at the same time? They were. Okay, Which now they're in, in Montreal. They're yeah. both rescued at the same time. They both came into my life at the same time. But, yes. you know, one didn't like him as much as the other. Yes, uh, Rob. That, that was it? kind of that was kind of the case at the beginning. And yeah. uh, I never grew up with dogs. Oh, and didn't. Uh, I didn't. I, I was never a ah. pet guy. I was never a dog guy. And um, as I got older. And Henry and Charlie, okay, yeah. uh, Rob calls him the other guy, but is his name yeah, is the Charlie. other dog. The other the dog. dog. Yeah. And um, when they came into my life, I um, we became best friends. And uh, Charlie is he's kind of a lot like me, actually, and I think that's why you we like don't him less. Well, we don't jive. Okay, I'm going to use that <laughs> term instead of liking. So, so Charlie's a lot like me. He's kind of all wiry and all over the place, and kind of up and down. And Henry is exactly the opposite. He's very calming. He's very quiet, and he's very calm. So it's. Um, that's kind of what I need when I get home is a little bit of more calm and not so all over the place. So you know what I mean? So how long have you had these dogs? Uh, almost three years. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Almost, almost three years. three years. And I've never seen a photo of Charlie. <laughs> but I see so many photos of Henry. I'm like, you can find him He's just a little bit more Instagram photogenic. Okay, guys? So Henry just just is um, attracted to the camera a little bit more. Or maybe the camera's attracted to Henry a little bit more. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe someone I think just it's points Afram's the camera. attracted to Henry. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that's the case. So Maybe you didn't grow up with dogs. These are the, this is the first time you've been a dog owner. And they've changed my life, Pay, honestly. Yeah. And uh, kind of all jokes aside, they've really um, have made a big impact on my life. And I think I've made a big impact on their life. being or both, on one of them. <laughs> or at least one of them. But uh, they're both rescues. And, um, and, and kind of so we're doing a doggy... A rescue doggy fundraiser at the shop. Yes, in uh, in August. Okay, August the seventh, and and it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. So, Rob, also, uh, you've got a dog. What, did you grow up with pets? I like- grew up um, on a farm, and yeah. I grew up with a breeding. My dad bred um, English Springer Spaniels. Oh, so, great! Okay, yeah. So, so he- there was always twelve puppies. Wow. At oh, a time. see, that's fun. Wow. Okay, so after the break, uh, Rob and Afrim are going to stick around. We'll tell you a bit more about this fundraiser and uh, a bit more about... Uh, oh, I am curious about this third, this the second dog that Afrim <laughs> seems to have forgotten a little bit. But also, you can buy tickets to this event and we'll tell you more about that. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. This is The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Thanks for joining me. Uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks for your text as well about the lobster massage. A few of you uh, are actually agreeing with me. Someone said that um, 
Oh, that it's just a quicker way or to, I want to say in a quicker way to kill them, but uh, that the animal dies after being stressed. The meat is not as tender. Therefore, this is a nice way to relax them and have basically kind of what the online theories were. Uh, my guests right now are Chef Rob Gentili from the Buka uh, restaurants, also uh, Bar Buka downtown and Afrin Pristine from... Cheese Boutique, you guys are working together with a couple of chefs to do a great uh, food event. So I guess we should highlight the fact that it's going to be fantastic food, a barbecue event. It's going to be held at Cheese Boutique, August 7th. Uh, but the spin on it is that uh, it was really to tie in everyone's dogs as well. That's, yeah. So I know Rob loves his bulldog Norma and I love my two guys, although I know you guys don't think so, but I love Henry it's and Charlie. It's just because we should say that if you uh, follow Afram on Instagram, Instagram or anything like that, you would actually only think he has one dog. That's because true. Yeah. But I'm in love with Batman and that I only have one dog <laughs> if, you, if you follow my Instagram. But uh, it's um, – so, yeah, Sunday, August the 7th. Mm-hmm. It's a summer barbecue from 630 to 830. It's at the shop. So what we're doing is creating a dog park, okay, mm-hmm. on our parking lot. Grass, fenced, uh, the, the great people from the Etobicoke Humane Society, which all proceeds are going to the Etobicoke Humane Society. They're going to be there, um, handling and wrangling all the dogs. I want people who are buying tickets. I'd love them to bring their dogs oh. and really celebrate it. And I yeah. think, um, I think Rob would agree too. I think our dogs have made a big impact on our life. And, uh, and I think it's, it's vice versa. And I'm in a very, very fortunate position in my career. Um, where I can have fun with my passions. And mm. one of them obviously being food and cheese boutique and good quality food. And and another one being dogs. And I'm and I'm very blessed that I can kind of bring the two together and bring incredible chefs like Rob. So Rob's coming with Norma. Yes. With, with his bulldog Norma. Uh, we have Grant from uh, Grant Van Gameren from uh, Bar Isabel Bar Raval. He's bringing Country Boy Junior, his dog. I love that name. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that <laughs> fantastic? A great name for a dog. And then um, Laura Kirk and Chef Lynn Crawford from Ru- Ruby Watchco are bringing mm-hmm. her two dogs. And Christine Flynn from IQ Foods are bringing her two dogs as well. And uh, it's a great response so far, Pay. And. Um, it's going to be a great, great night. Who's cooking? So are these? So these are the, the chefs dogs that are going to are. be there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm a little concerned. I mean, this is a food Absolutely. event. I want there to be great food. You know, I look at the uh, list of chefs. And just I'm like, dog oh, treats. Great. No human food. Yeah. Well, human grade dog treats. So we, we can all eat treats. it. That's yeah. it. Just needs a little yeah. salt. That's it. That's it. And but so all of us, all the you um, will all be cooking. All the cooks, all the, and myself, uh, all my staff. We're going to have a really kind of fun barbecue. Yeah. Uh, Sam Adams is going to be there pouring beer. We're going to have some wine. We'll have some cider and we're just gonna have a really good time and celebrating everything or celebrating all our dogs and celebrating kind of our relationships with our dogs so does it mean that each of the chefs that you've mentioned will be creating a creating food for the event like rob will you be creating something for the event yeah just- we're all gonna put together something i mean yeah. it'll be it'll be inspired by um I don't know. I guess they're dogs. <laughs> hot, hot dogs? <laughs> will there be hot dogs there? For sure there yeah. will be. My, my dog's a very special eater, so she's... she's oh, what does that mean? Particular? She only likes the good stuff, man. Oh, what do you feed yeah, her? Yeah, don't give her any kibble. She doesn't want it. Whoa. So, so what do you feed her, Rob? She's on raw. Really? Yeah. She's on raw. We get all the meat from our butcher. Nice. That's, that's so, a well-fed dog. Yeah. But I think that that's important too. I mean, it's yeah. like humans. What we put into our bodies, that's going to that's gonna translate mm-hmm. into how we kind of work and 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 walk around and I think that's the same for dogs. I'm I'm kind of the same. I, I give my guys like as 
as much healthy food, as much cheese, obviously, yeah. as possible. She loves Henry's cheese. dog treats. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Do you name dog treats after only one of your dogs? So, like you made dog <laughs> treats at, at Cheese Charlie Boutique. doesn't have treats. Only and, Henry does. So Henry from, also has an entire line, a cheese line. You know that, right, Pei? Henry has a cheese line? I've designed, we're up to eight different cheeses now that I've made in honor of Henry. So What about the other dog, Charlie? Like who? What's oh, the- right, Charlie. <laughs> There's like the, the second, the, it's, it's like being the unloved child. He likes being in the background, though. That's the thing. That's, the, that's what I'm trying to explain to you guys. He, he said, likes being, don't, you know. Don't name a line of cheese after me, Dad. I don't want the spotlight. Exactly. I don't want people to come because, in and ask about me. Because this is the thing now, too. Now all this, like, superstardom is getting to Henry's head. And it's going right to him, like it's. Well, who's responsible for that? Just like, just like your dad. His dad. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> so, appearance, his his appearance fee has gone up, yeah. just like mine, I guess, Rob. Too. No, I'm joking. But so it's t- harder to book him for things yeah, now. Yeah. That's definitely true. So I know that you are, uh, as you mentioned, the proceeds from the event are going to the Etobicoke Humane Society. Yes. Uh, so rescue dogs are important to you because this is your first experience with them, and even like Rob with you, I, even though Norma's not a rescue dog. You, you both have a huge love of animals. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, you know, just Norma came to us just by way of, uh, of a good friend of ours who, who had an old English bulldog and we fell in love with the dog. And She's we, really adorable. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's Instagram famous, Bulldog Norma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bulldog Definitely Norma? she is. Bulldog, D-O-G-G-E, Norma. Yeah. Norma yeah. has more followers than I do, I just kind of want to say. Norma's very photogenic. I know, I know. <laughs> Yeah, and and she's, I mean, with every dog lover, I mean, their dogs are are very special to them, no matter how quirky they they are. And Norma's definitely quirky. Um, So we we just, I love waking up super early and taking her out. And and I guess, um, you know, uh, I would love for us to share that sort of and and that's kind of and I really do appreciate Rob and 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 all the other chefs and. um, Beyond colleagues and beyond friends, we are all dog lovers. And as soon as I called Rob, and and we're talking as humble as Rob is, he's also one of the most talented and busiest mm-hmm. chefs in the country. And um, as soon as I asked him, he said, absolutely, Ephraim, whatever you need. Yeah. And, and really, that was the response from everyone, which means a lot to me. Uh, this is as um, kind of all the jokes aside, this is... Um, this is a big night for me, and this is a big night for for Henry and Charlie, and and for a lot of people out there who have rescue dogs, who have their dogs have made a similar impact to their life, mm-hmm. and like we all hear ho- uh, horror stories on on how animals can get abused, absolutely, and and, how they can be treated, and how they might end up at the yes, humane society for yeah. sure, and and really, and Rob and Grant and Laura and Lynn and Christine, we're all there really trying to spread the awareness, and yeah. really. Uh, we want to have a good time. Uh, we want to have a good time, good food. And it's everybody wins. And I like when there's events like that where everyone, ev- one, everyone, ev- everybody wins. Excuse me. Yeah. So, Rob, I, I kind of want to thank you on air because yeah, I know how busy you are. And no hesitation from Rob. And I really thank you. Well, for you that. figured out the way to get to Rob basically is through Norma. That's true. <laughs> true. I did talk to Norma first because and she was absolutely, you Rob know. Rob was not taking your call. She was like, is that Ephraim? Tell yeah. him I'm a, I'm a bit busy. But then, you know, no, when Norma yeah, came. I got a soft they- spot for Ephraim. I, yeah, I usually say yes to everything he does. He does. Yeah, yeah. He and even dressed well, me up as Iron Man and took pictures of me and, and I had to say yes. But like, <laughs> yeah. like, and, and 
that's kind of the relationship I have with a lot of these chefs and who are better friends than colleagues, you know. And uh, yeah, I think I'm the only person in, in Canada who can dress up Rob like Iron Man. Well, you know what? That's a claim to fame. <laughs> I think I'm the only one. That is true. Okay, well, thank you to uh, thanks to both of you. The event, we'll just recap, is Sunday, August 7th. So it starts yep. at 6.30 in the evening. Uh, tickets can be purchased online. They're $125 yep. each. And you can find out more info, uh, information at cheeseboutique.com. And again, it's a great fundraiser uh, for the Etobicoke Humane Society. So if anything, it raises awareness for people to check out rescue dogs as well. Totally. And and we're going to have dog groomers there. So don't so wash your, your pets. your dog is a mess, bring yeah, your dog Don't over. wash your pets. Bring them to the shop. It's going to be a blast. And, and, you know, Rob, me, Grant, all the other chefs are going to be there. I hope you're going to be there, Pay. Well, I'll have to get a dog. You have to meet over. Charlie. I, yeah. <laughs> you can take Charlie. Yes. I'll take Charlie. Right? Yeah. And just to even take him home. He won't even, <laughs> Adam won't even notice that I've taken the unwanted dog. Yeah. Thanks to you both. We're taking Thank a quick you. break here on the Paychan Show. We'll be back right after this. More with Pay Chen on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome back. Hope you're having a great weekend. Uh, you know, you may not realize this, but some of the most in-demand food to hit the city in recent months is being made by a group of moms. Now, most of them with no previous restaurant experience or catering gigs under their belt, just a desire to cook for their families and cook the food that they know. So these women happen to be recent Syrian refugees to Toronto. So many of them arrived uh, just a few months ago. They stayed some for a week, some for a few months in hotel rooms that didn't have a kitchen. So it didn't allow them to make food for their families. And if that doesn't sound, you know, you're like, yeah, well, that's not a big deal. You know, staying in a hotel seems luxurious. But imagine yourself in a country where you don't perhaps know the culture, the language, the food is unfamiliar. Um, it can be quite stressful and also difficult if you have, let's say, kids to feed and they only want to eat certain things. So in a few short months, a group of Canadian and Syrian volunteers have created something really great called the Newcomer Kitchen. They also serve food to about a thousand people at the recent Luminato Arts Festival. They even catered a, a very special VIP meal to mark the end of Ramadan, which included guests like Mayor John Tory. And uh, the work to get a newly arrived refugee from a hotel to a place where she can be part of a small business cannot be underestimated. So my guests are here to talk a bit about that journey, that process that has taken a few short months and also what's about to come next. So my guest in studio, uh, Len Senator, who has been running the Depeneur uh, for about, is it five years now, Len? Just over five years, yeah. All right. And also Rahaf and Ismail, who have been helping to coordinate the project as well. So welcome. Thank you. And you, uh, now tell me how long you've been in Toronto. Uh, actually, in, in, in Toronto, uh, we arrived in Canada mm-hmm. at uh, 6th February. Yes. Uh, so only year. a few months. So you arrived in, mid, in the middle yeah. of winter. Yeah, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> we arrived uh, to uh, Mon- um, uh, Montreal. Mm-hmm. We spent there 10 days. After that, we came to here at 16th uh, February. Did you arrive straight from Syria? Or did no, you? no, we came we from Turkey. Turkey. Oh, from Turkey. And how long yeah. were you in Turkey? Me, around two years. And mm-hmm. me, around one year. Oh, okay. So you were you were reunited in Turkey, and then we got married there in Turkey. Oh, wow, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so now, so you arrived uh, so in Toronto, February. Yeah. And exactly. so you've been here for a couple of months. So you were put up in one of the hotels. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Well, we were in the travel lodge uh, hotels. Mm-hmm. 
we have been there uh, two months, maybe more. Two months. Yeah. Two months, yeah. And so, Len, you, were you connected at all to the sort of that uh, wave of uh, Syrian refugees that was coming over? No, we had no, I had no direct connection, but uh, at the Depener, we've always invited people to come and cook in our kitchen. So when I heard about the families being in the hotels for extended periods, I immediately thought, well, why don't they, they could come use my kitchen, make some mm-hmm. food, take it home to their families. And so I pulled together a group of volunteers who were involved and we spent some time trying to figure out how to actually reach out and connect with those families. And it turned out to be a little trickier than I expected. I was just about to ask if it was as easy as it, it sounds sort of in your head, which is, you know, well, I have a kitchen. Here are some people who could use a kitchen. Why can't I just connect uh, the two groups? And I guess I should just uh, mention some listeners know this as well, is that I'm part of a group that has privately sponsored a Syrian family. And when we were waiting for them to arrive, because they don't give you a lot of notice, a few of us started helping out with some of the government-sponsored refugees in a hotel that was Mm -hmm. near me. So I started to see... uh, what they didn't have and, or what the challenges were. One of the big challenges was language, first of all, you know, not enough translators, not enough people to communicate what the needs were or what they were lacking. Um, and transportation was an issue. Some of these families are really large. So even getting, even saying to a family, uh, do you want to look, see this apartment in Mississauga? We couldn't get eight people to Mississauga. So there were those, you know, yeah. there's there's simple things, but they can really drag out a process. So I can only imagine that uh, there were a few steps for you, Len, to, to get this ball rolling. Well, we tried calling around a lot of different organizations that were uh, involved in helping the, the newly arrived families, but they were really overwhelmed with this gigantic, with all the really, really important tasks that they had in housing and medical and other things. And so uh, we weren't, it wasn't clear to us how to actually make the connection and bridge the language barriers and stuff as well. But through a little bit of good fortune, one of our volunteers was attending a fundraiser where Rahaf and Ismail were att- were also attending since they were doing a lot of advocacy and support work for the other families that were in the hotels at the time. And uh, she explained the idea to them. And I think they thought, yes, that would be a lot of fun. I think the people would really like to come down and do some cooking. It's been a long time since they've had a chance. And it's with their help that we were actually able to get the first group of moms into the kitchen. So it started off where you just set aside a day, I guess, where you thought, okay, we'll get, we'll get a group of these uh, Syrian moms in so they can finally cook food that they know, that they're comfortable with, that their families want to eat. Um, you needed volunteers like on that side of things. So like Rahaf and Ismail to help you out. And was that sort of going to be it? Did you just think like, okay, well, that was nice. Well, it seemed like a good starting point. Like just let's bring them down, see how it goes. I mean, I think the first day it was sort of like, yeah, we, you know, I got a message that there might be two or three people coming down for a meeting. And the next day it's like, yeah, there's 12 people with all their kids and they're all on their way. (laughs) And so, uh, and for some of these people, it was their first time on the subway, the first time into downtown. It was an enormously courageous thing for them to go off into the city, into this slightly unclear, unknown activity. So we did a frantic uh, rush to the supermarket, bought a whole bunch of stuff, um, brought it to the Depener and the, you know, the the families arrived. We weren't even sure if we were going to have translators or not, but Mm -hmm. you know, it all worked out. And we were explaining a little bit of the idea. And then we said, you know what? Why don't we just cook? Cooking's more mm. fun than talking. And and they were like, really? You, you want us to do the cooking? I'm like, yeah, come, come cook. And they were like, out of my way. And then they just <laughs> t- took over the that whole kitchen. kitchen all of a sudden. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was their kitchen and the whole thing changed. And there was like all of a sudden laughter and, ta- and talking and singing and cooking and all this amazing food just sort of started exploding out of the kitchen. And I think in that moment we knew we were doing something 
really amazing and uh, wanted to keep doing it week after week. So uh, Rahaf and uh, Ismail, maybe you can describe some of what these moms were going through by being in the hotels, mm-hmm. because I know from having a, some short conversations uh, with a lot of the newcomers is they're very grateful to be here, but it can be very frightening. It can be quite isolating in many ways. Uh, that's right. I will tell you that it's a big opportunity for the ladies, for us to get out the hotels because it's more interesting than staying in the hotels and in terms of there is no kitchen there. Uh, it was so interesting and at the same time for us, it was a big responsibility to to bring all the ladies with me and my husband. The first time in the public transportation, it was so hard and <laughs> so funny at the same time. Well, I can just imagine all of these, you know, uh, Syrian moms on the TTC for the first time. And just, yeah. In, in, especially in the uh, escalator. It's, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, <laughs> escalator. that's the first time, yeah. It's, oh, wow. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's so, so hard. I was so aware, uh, which uh, all the moms' steps... Because, you know, it's the first time and many things, it's uh, completely new mm-hmm. for them. And uh, yeah, it's a big responsibility for us because I bring 12 uh, moms mm-hmm. with uh, uh, their kids. And uh, yeah, thanks God. It's Alhamdulillah. It's, uh, <laughs> well, you, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of cute that you would say like, the, you know, an escalator could be a first experience yeah. for someone because it's just something that's so part of our daily lives. We don't really think about it, Len. Well, I think, you know, I mean, you, you, you figure that there's so many of these new, unknown, uncomfortable, alien things that they that these people have to encounter on a, on a regular basis that can't make you feel very confident or very secure. It's very, very challenging. And so to come into a place with a bunch of people who speak the same language with you as you, who understand the same the food that you make, and to be mm-hmm. able to cook together and to make food and share it with your friends. I mean, there's nothing more grounding and humanizing than making a big meal for your friends and eating together. And to even to be able to offer that for one day out of the week, it's got to feel good in a place where so many other things are maybe outside of your control. Well, I'm always amazed that when I, I, I travel quite a bit and often to countries where I don't speak the language and food is sort of the one thing that can really unify someone because you can see the joy on someone's face when they like something. You can uh, you can express a lot uh, without necessarily using words. Uh, we're also going to talk about how you can actually purchase some of the meals and how this small little almost like an event has grown into a bit of its own business and where you want to take it after this and how your model could be used for all kinds of newcomers to create different opportunities. So we're going to talk a bit more about the Newcomer Kitchen after the break. You're listening to The Page Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. To interact with Pay, text 71010 on your cell phone, star 8255. Or toll free, 416-872-1010. You're tuned to the Pay Chen Show on News Talk 1010. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, my guest, Len Senator, who's been running the Depaneur. Uh, let's describe what the Depaneur is for people who don't know. Okay, well, it's a showcase for culinary talent in the city. We invite different guest cooks who are both either amateur or professional, mm-hmm. to come in and do different kinds of pop-up food events that change every week. We so could I describe it as a restaurant? Would that 
Sort of, except we also do hands-on classes and workshops. Mm -hmm. We do sort of a Friday night drop-in dinner where people can come in and grab a plate of something different every week. We also do big family-style dinner parties on the weekend and rent the venue for private events as well. So it's definitely a place where I could go and have a good meal. Yeah, but I would check our website (laughs) to see. It changes. Yeah, it changes all the time, and some of the events are ticketed. Okay, so uh, Len has been running the Depreneur, and he's also helped to start Newcomer Kitchen, which is uh, something that has gotten together a group of Syrian moms who are uh, recent uh, newcomers to Canada, and it all started with giving them some space to cook food uh, for their families, and you also connected with uh, Rahaf and Ismail, who are also two new Syrians to Toronto, uh, who helped you coordinate this with the the women who were at first staying in the hotels when they came over from different places. I know some came from Turkey, Lebanon, uh, and it's it was a hit. Basically, the the one day that you were able to coordinate enough women into your kitchen to cook food, uh, they brought their kids. They were on the TTC, as we heard. They had a lot of first experiences, public transit, escalators, that sort of thing. Uh, and I know that you posted it online, and that's where I saw it. Mm-hmm. Is I saw these amazing photos of these smiling women making food together. And then after that, it kind of started to snowball, right? Yeah, it got a lot more attention than any project that I mean, I've hosted literally thousands of different food pop-ups over the last few years. And this one far and away got the most attention. And I think people were really excited to see this opportunity for uh, the newcomers to participate, to create the food that they're so proud of, to share it with the local community. It was a real uh, immediate and tangible way that people could get involved and, and see what this, these amazingly talented women had to offer. And I think what happened after that, when people saw these photos of these, of these beautiful dishes being created, and we didn't necessarily know what they all were, was people wanted to know how to buy them. Mm-hmm. And so then what happened? Well, uh, also when the ladies were relocated from the hotels into homes, their priorities shifted as well. Now they had kitchens where they could cook for their families. So their interest became more about making money than making food. And so since I've been selling tickets to my events online for a long time, we had the idea, let's make some extra food, put the meals for sale online, and that'll help generate some revenue to help pay for the ingredients. And if there's any money left over, we can share that amongst all the cooks. And that slowly grew over a course of weeks to now where we sell 48 meals a week, and that generates enough money to pay for the um, all the ingredients and the overhead and still have several hundred dollars left to share amongst the cooks. So what I love about this is that anyone listening who is interested in, in trying some of this home-cooked Syrian food, uh, they can they can do that. They, you post the menu on Monday. Yeah, so Mondays we announce all of the upcoming events happening at the Depener for a given week on our website and on our Facebook page, and we also put it on the uh, Newcomer Kitchen Facebook page and the Newcomer Kitchen uh, website as well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on Tuesday morning, the tickets go up for sale, first come, first serve. There's also a guest spot, uh, a guest cook spot. So if you want to come and spend the day cooking with okay, the Okay, I love this because I can only, I would just imagine that people are saying, well, can I come by and help? Yeah. Can well, I come by and, and see how you make great Syrian food? You can, but it'll cost you 50 bucks. So that's, and I think that is absolutely <laughs> fair. I think it should be. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, an immer- a hands-on immersive cooking class uh, yeah. for, for Syrian cuisine. And we have one guest cook every week. That I love that idea. Um, I, I think it's great also to integrate and get people aware of what, what Syrian cooking and, and Syrian cuisine is. So my other two guests are Rahaf and Ismail, who are the uh, the two that have helped you in terms of coordinating and, and connecting with some of these Syrian moms. So let's tell people a bit about Syrian food and what that actually is. Because people don't know what some of these dishes might be. Uh, actually, the Syrian dish is so delicious. And it's made um, in a different ways. And it also, in each city, is different from the other, how to make the food. So um, 
there are many <laughs> and huge numbers and kinds of uh, these dishes. If you want, I want to tell you. Well, let's say, for example, for Luminato, because you served uh, like a thousand uh, people that weekend during the art festival. Uh, what did you serve there? Uh, fatayer. And what fatayer is that? Fatayer uh, It's like dough and uh, it's like pizza, but mm-hmm. uh, served with them. Syrian pizza. Meat. It's like it's the like great pizza. ancestor of all pizzas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And Muhammara was... Which is from the uh, tomato and uh, the red pepper and pine nuts and yeah, it's really. I know that um, our Syrian mom. I've been there for dinner a few times. She makes some fantastic dips. Really, like we just want to take. We just go with bags of pita and we just want to eat everything that uh, mm-hmm. that she yeah. makes. So the the meals will change every week that you offer mm-hmm. at the the depener. Um, let's talk about the project that you want to start because now it's it's growing, right? So you need to. You need to well, be able to accommodate the amount of interest that there is. So there's two things. One is that there's, <clears throat> as the word gets out that this is fun and has a chance to earn some revenue, there's a lot of interest, uh, much more interest than we can accommodate in our tiny kitchen. So uh, we also realized as we were doing this that this essential idea could work with any newcomer community in any restaurant kitchen willing to open its doors in any city in the world. So the potential impact is so much bigger than just at the Depaneur. And so to realize the potential of this project, we started a fundraising campaign. And that fundraiser is designed to generate enough money that we can keep this project going for six months while we incorporate Newcomer Kitchen as a nonprofit organization that we can apply for funding and get that funding so that we can take this idea and spread it, spread it out into the different neighborhoods of the city where the Syrian communities actually live, and then take this idea and spread it out uh, into cities beyond Toronto and also create a template that could be reproduced uh, down the road with the next wave of newcomers that arrive because there will always be people arriving at our shores. I like what you had on your website. You have like newcomers plus kitchens equals opportunity. And I think a lot of um, people who may not be as open to newcomers are often, you know, their uh, their argument is, well, you know, how are they going to do anything if they can't speak the language? And so this is a way to make them, to help people become self-sufficient, yeah. to help them become entrepreneurs. Well, this is a real shortcut. I mean, this particular kitchen takes uh, the incredible skills that this group of women have and gives them a, a quick and easy way to earn a little bit of extra money doing something that they love doing in a fun and sociable way. But it's also... I think really important because it's, it's something that they're doing that's of mutual benefit. They create something of great value. We're willing to pay for that thing and we receive, we, we makes our city more delicious in return. So it's really dignified and equitable. And I think the city needs to create as many of those kinds of opportunities as possible. Um, Ismail, maybe I'll ask, I'll ask you since you've been, uh, coordinating and working with a lot of these women from the very beginning, from that very first group that yeah. took that TTC ride, uh, what sort of feedback or change have you noticed? The change of this in the women, uh, yeah, it's uh, because all the women moved to their houses, and uh, it's now uh, more comfortable for for them to to come. And now I have uh, more than forty five women participate in this project, and um, uh, try to to make this opportunity for all of them to separate them for uh, groups. Each uh, week, we uh, we collect uh, about seven to eight uh, women to come to the kitchen. Uh, now it's um, so, uh, some some uh, I can uh, uh, explain. Some of them uh, live far. 
like Mississauga. Right, they might not live it's, near the downtown yeah, area. Yeah, not uh, right downtown. It's very uh, little amount in downtown, but all of them, yeah, uh, around the city. And um, yeah, it's so interesting interesting to uh, to come they 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 ask me when uh, we come uh, again we <laughs> we have we we need to and uh, we're so happy when we come uh yeah it's so so uh, it's nice to see things. that or it's nice yeah. to see people feeling empowered too because i know for a lot of the moms um they may not have had a they may not have worked or had a Exactly. been in a position where they could contribute to and help support their oh, family. I remember one great exactly. story. There was uh, one, one day we were making this particular dish and the woman was explaining, this is the most famous dish in my whole town and I make this dish. My grandmother made this dish and this, I'm really the expert in this dish. <laughs> yeah. And then the other lady was like, I've never even heard of this dish. <laughs> and she was only from 200 miles away. And it just goes to show the incredible diversity of cuisine. So she told me, I like coming here because I learn recipes that I don't know. That's, I yeah. feel exactly. like I learn more exactly. about being Syrian. And I said, well, I like having you guys here because <laughs> I learn more about being Canadian. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So the fun, So uh, for people who are interested in finding more about Newcomer Kitchen or to uh, contribute, newcomerkitchen.ca, you've got all the info up there. Uh, your goal is to raise $25,000. I checked and I think you're just over the 6500 yeah, We're about right? 25% of the way there. So we're going to have to kick it up into high gear, put a little urgency onto our fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think the the potential impact of this concept, not only for this particular group, but for all the potential newcomers that could be uh, involved in the project here and in other cities is really, really makes this a compelling project. So if anybody can help support it and help us realize and unpack the real potential of the idea, that would go a long way. And because it's a revenue-generating mm-hmm project that we can do a lot more with a lot less because we can make a lot of our own gravy as we go, but we still need external support to make the project possible at all. It'd be really great to see uh, how this can grow because it's grown in such a short period of time. So, you know, thank you all for for joining me today and uh, congratulations because you really did something pretty special in a very short period of time. So I'm I'm quite amazed. Like when I follow it online, I'm like, wow, they're doing this. Wow. They're, they're feeding the mayor. Like that's, (laughs) these are all very impressive things that I'm sure, you know, the, the women may not even realize how, how fantastic that is. So again, it's newcomerkitchen.ca if you want to find out more information. And also, you can find out more information about how you can order the meals as well. So as Len mentioned, the menu gets posted on Mondays. They sell on Tuesdays, and they they always sell out, don't they? Yeah, they always sell out, and then the meals are available for pickup or delivery on Thursday night. We, Fudora has kindly sponsored free delivery within a three-kilometer radius. Fantastic. You know, And so uh, we, may, we, we put them up for sale, and then people come by, pick them up, or have them delivered on Thursday What night. a great way to enjoy like some great home cooking and to learn a bit more about Syrian food. So thank you all. Thanks for listening today, everyone. Uh, Paychen.com is where you can go for the podcast of previous shows. You can also find me online at Paychen. Uh, have a great weekend. I'll be back next Saturday. 